That's what's brilliant about you, Mr. Feldman. No one else would have thought of building a residential mini-mall. <laughs> now that I've got everyone else on the block to agree to your offer, I think we're... It's gotta be everyone on the block, everyone, or the deal's off. Oh, we're heading into the canyon. Uh, I think I'm losing you, Mr. Feldman. Cut the crap, Dittmeyer. Did you get everyone or not? Well, there's this one family that's holding out. Then sweeten the deal up the offer. It's not that simple. It's like they're not interested in money. It's like they're not normal. Why the hell not? What's this story? Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold. Like their mother, the youngest one in curls. Here's the story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. They were four men living all together. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. So we've got our second official double header, double feature here. Um, we are looking at two films. We did that once before with a couple terrible Titanic movies. And we've done a couple other things where we had like more than one film that we've looked at. But this is our, uh, our second official double feature. And we are looking at the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel. Um, which uh, was a recommendation from one of our semi-regulars, uh, or at least one of them, and I was like, oh, why don't we just do both of them? Because they're very similar, and they came out like one right after each other uh, in the mid-90s, and uh, they were staples of HBO back in the day, so I have seen them many times growing up, um, but haven't watched them in, uh, in, in many years, so this was uh, revisiting it for me. So the Brady Bunch movie is from 1995, and it is by... Uh, director named Betty Thomas, uh, who I wasn't familiar with, but she apparently is an OU grad, so uh, go Bobcats. Um, but she, uh, looking into her background, she was actually a part of Second City, um, like like kind of I, like way back Second City, so some like kind of early foundational stuff, I think, or or shortly after. And then she, so in addition to the Brady Bunch movie, she also directed Private Parts. Howard Stern's Private Parts, which is a fun movie, interesting movie. But she also directed Dr. Doolittle, which I don't quite get the Private Parts to Dr. Doolittle pipeline. <laughs> Brady Bunch movie makes sense, considering the kind of cynicism streak in it. But Dr. Doolittle with um, uh, Eddie Murphy, and then John Tucker Must Die. And she also directed Alvin and Chipmunk's The Squeakquel. That was her most recent effort, and she did a few other things in there, but those were the uh, more interesting ones to pull out from her filmography. So, uh, Private Parts and Alvin and Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. Uh, and then a very Brady sequel, which we will talk about, uh, obviously, as we go along. That was Arlene Sanford. Um, and it didn't, I, I could have missed it, it didn't look like she had directed a lot of other films, but she did a lot of work in TV, so a lot of sitcoms. She was on, like, episodes of Friends and things like that, directing a lot. 
Um, so we have uh, two female directed films here, which I didn't I didn't know either of these directors, and I didn't know who directed these films, but uh, that's what we got for this one. Cast wise, um, all the kids are played mostly by people you haven't seen in anything, um, but the, the, a couple exceptions, but. Uh, Gary Cole, the great Gary Cole, plays Mike Brady. Gary Cole has been in everything for the last 30 years. A um, lot of voiceover work, a lot of character roles. Um, feel free to throw things out. I'm going to list some, but I'm sure I'm going to forget some. He was in Veep. He was great in Veep. He's Bill Lumberg in the office, or in Office Space. Uh, he was Harvey Birdman, uh, attorney at law, I believe. I'm was pretty sure he that's Harvey him. Birdman? Yeah, okay. He was oh. Harvey Birdman. I was pretty sure. I didn't look him up. I'm just kind of doing this from memory. Uh, he was in a really good movie called A Simple Plan. Um, he, what else? Uh, what are some other? West Wing. What's that? He was in West Wing. West Wing. Okay, yeah, I never watched West yeah. Wing. Um, <laughs> and... He played the vice president. Did he? Was it? Was that? Was that him? Or was that the guy? The, I thought the villain from the second. Both movie. of them. They... Both of them played vice presidents in West Wing. I don't. Mm, <laughs> Maybe West Wing was on for too long. <laughs> he was also on Dodgeball as the co-host with Jason oh, yes. Bateman. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Cotton? is that That's Jason Bateman as mm-hmm. Cotton, right? And then I don't yeah. remember what, what well, he no, is. Co- uh... Yeah, Cotton is um, uh, Gary Cole. Okay, Gary Cole's Cotton. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's uh, he pops up in a lot of uh, character roles. Uh, a lot of times they're comedies because uh, he's got great comedic timing and is fantastic at deadpan. Uh, but he's also, you know, been in some more serious roles. Shelley Long, um, who was on Cheers and had a film career of her own, uh, plays Carol Brady, so Mrs. Brady. Um, and then, so this is all for the first movie. And then the other notable people to pull out, Christine Taylor uh, plays Marsha Brady. Uh, she was on Hey Dude back in the day, which is how a lot of us would have first seen her. I know that's how I first saw her. She's on Hey Dude and then was in this. Uh, she married Ben Stiller, so she was in a lot of his movies. She's in both Zoolander movies. She was in Dodgeball, uh, a number of other things. Uh, she was in Arrested Development, and she also like was tied into the Ben Stiller character, like her character, like they had a uh, a relationship and stuff. So Christine Taylor, and then Christopher Daniel Barnes, who I don't really know from anything, but he's Greg Brady. But I did see. He's actually the voice of Eric in The Little Mermaid, something that I'm sure Jess wow. may have already known. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> did, so, did, uh, you already know, did you already know that, Jess? I didn't, actually, until I looked it up like while I was watching them this week. I was like, no shit. And then I like heard it. Like, yeah. You know, especially when he's like singing and stuff. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so those are some of the key people um, in the first movie for the Bradys. Uh, we also have uh, Michael McKean, the great Michael McKean of Spinal Tap and Better Call Saul and so many other things. He is essentially the villain of the piece. His wife is played by Jean Smart, who offhand, I uh, can't remember what, it, well, I know she's been in tons of stuff. I can't think of, uh, was she in Watchmen? Was she the, in the new Watchmen, the show? Oh, I don't know about the show. Okay. I don't know. Um, She's in Hacks and the, the uh, what's the one, Kate Winslet show? It's been a big year for Jean Smart. Uh, what's it called? I get her mixed up with oh, a couple was it people. The, was, was, her, was the Kate Winslet show you're talking about the mayor of Connecticut? Yeah, mayor of Town. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was, she was in that too. Designing Women. 
back in the day. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was she was uh she was Lori in Watchmen. So she's the older Lori uh from from the Watchmen comic and they push things 30 years later. Uh but yeah, she's been in tons of stuff. Um and then a few character actors you might have seen in some stuff. RuPaul shows up in both. Um and then in a very Brady sequel, you have basically the same core cast um as the original for, you know, as far as the family goes, but then Tim Matheson joins the cast, uh, as, as the villain of that movie, not a whole lot of production stuff to go into on this one. Um, all I'll say is that if you haven't seen these movies, uh, they take a very different kind of approach. Uh, if, if you remember stuff from the nineties, or if you've ever dug into stuff from the nineties, they were doing a bunch of TV adaptations. They would take TV shows and turn them into movies. And so now, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, I think superheroes or, you know, whatever. Um, and in the 90s, everything for a good stretch was TV adaptations. So you had the Addams Family movies. You had, like, McHale's Navy. You had the Mission Impossible movies started in the 90s. Um, there were tons of other ones. Comedy, Beverly Hillbillies, they did a movie. Um bunch bunch of stuff coneheads you know was technically a tv adaptation so all kinds of stuff um most of those movies would try to take their source material and like update it in some way but still be true to things so like mission impossible is a good example the original mission impossible is kind of like people locked in a room trying to figure out how to do something or how to trick somebody and they kind of took that and it's like cool but what if we did it with a hundred million dollars and then they go do that and make you know big explosion shit and it's very fun. Um, but a lot of those, yeah, they would take kind of the core idea of how the original worked and try to fit it into a movie and into a modern movie. The Brady Bunch movies decided, like, these people fucking suck, so we are going to just, like, parody the hell out of this, and that's the angle we're going to take. Um, so it makes for really an interesting watching experience, whether you've seen the original show or not. But especially if you've seen the original show, um, it's, uh, it's an interesting take, and I think it's probably the only way this would have worked, especially in the mid-90s. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the approach. It's, uh, there's a satirical angle to it where the Bradys are essentially stuck in time. They are late 60s, early 70s in their dress, appearance, outlook on the world, and, and when I say late 60s, early 70s, like, without drugs. So the, the clean-cut, you know, bland kind of thing is going on. Um, but then the world around them is the world that we know or, or in a, you know, an emphasized kind of, uh, world of the mid nineties. So anyway, that's Lin the kind Lin of approach. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to open up the floor. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Do we need to explain what the Brady Bunch is as a show? I, you, I will leave that to you, Katie. Okay. You can, sorry uh, about that. You can, no, you're good. Uh, but no, that's that's fine uh, if we want to. Sure. So, yeah, basically, I was just going to open it up to what do we make of uh, the Brady Bunch films? Katie, if you want to say what you think of them, kind of an opening thing. And then also, if you would like to explain the original Brady Bunch to us. OK, sure. Uh, so the Brady Bunch was came out in like the late 60s, early 70s uh, and was apparently when I looked it up, not as big of a commercial success as it seems like. It sort of kind of blew up more in syndication. But basically, also, I think its theme song is just such a banger that 
you know, that's cemented it by itself. Uh, but basically, it's the story of a, lovely a blended fan, a lovely lady. But basically, a, <laughs> a blended family where a mom with three teenage girls marries a man with three various aged boys. They kind of match up, and it's very wholesome. But at the same time, it is sort of um, the show was kind of unique in that that you know there were like step kids and, and step parents involved and. I, I learned that the Brady Bunch show was the first time that a married couple had appeared on, in TV in the same bed together, which seems like I w- it wouldn't have occurred to me that that was something that would or wouldn't be notable. Uh, but yeah, so it was very wholesome and very 70s. But yeah, it eventually became this sort of uh, pop culture presence that then they decided to make into a movie. And for me... I, so I own both of these movies on DVD. Um, and I <laughs> that's how much I like these movies. I think that they are so funny. They are all very stupid. They are, but they are funnier than they have the right to be. And I think they're even funnier to watch now versus when they came out because the whole concept is sort of dunking on the the 70s by comparing it to the 90s in, in, in the in the movies but now it's like a double time capsule right it's like a heightened version of the 70s versus a heightened version of the 90s versus not being in either of them now and it is just like oh, i just think it's just watching the opening of the first movie where they're showing how different time is where they're like no smoking anywhere signs and big cell phones and, and it, it's supposed to be like really cutting edge but of course, it's now 30 years later, and so it's very quaint also. And I just think that it is so such a smart concept. Linton, I think, like you said, well, I mean, again, these are the Brady Bunch movies. They're not they're not intellectual, you know, brain teasers of comedies. But it was it was, I think, the only way you could successfully make remakes of these and not just sort of do awkward pseudo remakes and set it in the 70s. I also think that they, one is one, watching just one or the other, they're they're funny, but you really got to watch both to get the best bits from each one. Uh, Mm. So I love these movies. I have them both on DVD and I, and let me assure you that the original DVDs came out in 2003 and they have nothing on them. They, they don't have, there, there's a scene selection. Mm-hmm. And play movie, and that's it. They there there was no like <laughs> let's get the cast for a commentary. There was it was created in an afternoon using pop art for the back of the of the like DVD cover. And I I love them. I unreservedly love them. I love them even more now than when I originally watched them because they are just so deliciously nineties on top of being so deliciously fake seventies. All right, other folks. Um, yeah, I so I grew up watching the Brady Bunch TV show with my mom and my aunt. They were huge fans, you know, originally, and so I'd watch them on like the Nick at Night block, you know, whenever. And um, so I knew the show, and you know, it was kind of like this is like old and this is weird. And I don't like it. Like I don't know. It was kind of just like I always made fun of them for liking it so much. Um, so I loved these movies when they came out. Um, it just felt like. Yeah, like, they're, they're, like, sickly sweet, 
this family and just like, oh, everything's so perfect. And like, you know, um, and I just remember, yeah, the first one especially was like always on TV. And so I've seen that one so many times and I haven't seen the second one as many, but I do remember, I mean, that's iconic moments like George Glass and everything. That's where they come from. So, I mean, I have seen both of them like a lot. Um, and yeah, it's really fun to watch them now. And I agree with Katie, like you have to watch them as like a package deal. Um, I just think the experience is so much better that way. Um, and I do like the differences between the two movies. Um, you can tell they were directed by different people. Um, I think the first one is more of a, a, more of a loving tribute than the second one. I think the second one is even more cynical than the first and kind of like goes way far in that direction. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're both like super funny and there's so many good things about each of them. I think the performances are insanely good. Like the choices that the actors make in each scene are like, especially Jan, like she just makes so many like fun choices with her character that I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> um, this movie broke me. <laughs> which, 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 there's two, Dusty. And then rebuilt me anew. <laughs> And now I, I love them both. They're, they're you know, <laughs> so I um I remember it being a thing where uh, I had initially gotten introduced to the Brady Bunch because it was what played on syndication before uh, weekday afternoon cartoons. And so while you're waiting for DuckTales or uh, the other the other Disney icons at the time, the Tailspin, things like that, you had to suffer through at least an hour of Brady Bunch before you got to that. And I just assumed that it was this beloved thing you're supposed to like, because I was six, and that's just how it works. If it's on TV, everyone likes it, so of course it's good. Yeah. Um, so the Brady Bunch movie came out, I, I was, you know, an older and wiser 12, and just assumed, these are going to be dumb, I don't want to see this, this is going to be stupid. Uh, so I, I never had any want or desire to see this movie, and so going into it, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and then as soon as I saw the name Gary Cole, I felt doomed and, um, doomed for doomed, Gary Cole. Yeah. Cause I was like, it is the mid nineties who did so much cocaine that they're like, I bet we could make this guy a leading man. <laughs> I bet we yeah, could but take... are you saying that cause you don't like Gary Cole? Though? No, I adore Gary Cole. Okay, but I was just like, right. this, this is not, this is a movie free of executive decision at this point. Like Shelley Long, yeah, you can get by a while on Shelley Long. She's still got that Cheers thing going on. But when you have Gary Cole, number two, executives left the room and never came back. And I was in it for that moment. And the movie made every opportunity of just the freedom they were given. And I, it's the most 90s thing I think I've seen in a while. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so uh, I adore them. They're great. All right. Oh, well, gl uh, glad to see. Uh, so yeah, so you you're coming to this totally cold. Jess, you said you you had seen these. You said as as a kid, right? Yeah. yeah okay. A lot. And then yeah. and Katie, you uh, you've you've watched these a billion times with from your bare bones DVD. Um, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just cataloging in my head of like where everybody's at on it. Um, yeah. So like I said, I watched them. They were on HBO back in the day. Uh, that's been a theme sometimes on the show. I'll like I'll know about some movie or something obscure. I'll have other people on the show, and it's it's not obscure to me just because like so anyone who grew up with HBO, it's probably the same way now. But 
I feel that HBO often was used as kind of a dumping ground. And I don't know the back, and then not say they didn't have good stuff on it, and I don't know the back room deals on it. But my guess is they would probably sign deals with companies and be like, oh, we want the new Batman. Like when Batman came out in 89, they want to get Batman. And so they probably sign a deal where then Warner's is like, okay, cool, but you'll take like 10 movies that we want to give you. That's my guess is how that probably worked because I saw a lot of stuff that I never would have seen them in the theater as a kid. Like my parents wouldn't have taken me or I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have even been on my radar. And then stuff, even if I was older, like a teen or an adult, I prob they wouldn't have been things that I would have like sought out. But like to what uh, you were saying, Dusty, it was like, it's on TV. It's like, you're there. It's a kid. And oh, what is this? And then, you know, I, I'm not doing anything right now. And so then you watch the Brady Bunch movie. Um, so, yeah, so I watched both of these then. Uh, yeah, I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, I've often said that they are much better than they have any right to be. Um, they, I, I don't know how else you would adapt these because the characters are so ingrained in, like, the 70s culture that, like, if you tried to update them and just make them a wholesome family in the 90s, you lose the look of the Brady Bunch. You lose the kitsch of it. And so I don't know that you could just take that. Like, you can take Mission Impossible out of the 60s under, like, you know, the threat of communism. And you can put it in a modern context and just, okay, it's a different thing. But they're still spies. But I don't think you can do that with the Brady Bunch. And then I think maybe somebody, maybe Dusty or somebody, like, alluded to, like, possibly just do a period piece. So it's like, yeah, I guess you could have done a movie set in the 70s. Um, it's possible. I don't know how, like profitable it would have been or people you know people could have gone to it for like a nostalgia thing or if you did this kind of celebration of the 70s maybe um but yeah i, I think the angle they chose was really smart um i don't know how big fans of the show felt about it i've never read um uh, yeah you can jump in here in a second katie yeah i've, ne I've never read like where they're at i know some of the original cast wasn't crazy about some of it but i it sounded more of like they just wanted parts they they like florence henderson uh that's the mom right mm -hmm. so she uh she like initially didn't like the part they gave her for the first movie and she was like speaking out against it and then they changed it so she comes in as grandma at the end and she actually has a pretty funny moment where she says cut the crap jan and she just has this like <laughs> you know like meanness coming through but so then she was like all for it and then they didn't give the cast members like cameos in the second one and then she was, like, speaking out against it. But it's like, well, how much of that is because they didn't ask you guys back? Which I, I think is the smart move. You brought everyone in. Or they they tried to bring everyone, I think, like, I think Jan didn't want to do it. And I think they did film stuff for Marsha and the other boy. But they just got cut based on just, you know, what they thought made sense of the movie. But they brought them all in for the original. And then, you know, do you need to do all that again for a sequel? I think arguably it's kind of the right move. To, it's like, well, we're going to shoehorn a bunch of people in again. But yeah, so I, I know at least Florence Henderson didn't take kindly to that. So, uh, so she spoke out against it, but I think Jess, you were also saying that this one is like, you know, more cynical, um, you know, has a, has a, has a stronger streak on a very Brady sequel. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into all this stuff, but uh, yeah, basically overall, uh, I think they're very enjoyable. Uh, despite Dusty's misgivings about Gary Cole as a leading man. How dare you? Uh, How dare you? It was the mid-90s. We were all doing heroin. <laughs> uh, 
but yes, yeah, so uh, no, I, I think they're a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's dig into the Brady Bunch movies. Well, let me let me say before we really dive into them is is that I I did get a take from an original seventies uh, Brady Bunch fan. I had mentioned okay. to my mom that I was recording this podcast, and you know I. I think she was also feeling especially vulnerable because she really went in on the Brady Bunch movies and really felt like she kind of made it seem like, well, that that wasn't really nice to to to, to, to people and it made the people who liked the original feel stupid. Also, the mental illness of Jan was very <laughs> offensive <laughs> and they diminished <laughs> it was very ableist and also you know if the brady bunch if the if the the characters were in the 90s they wouldn't be like that and then i cut in and i was like well they would be adults if it was the 90s and she didn't like that <laughs> and it was a <laughs> yeah it was a very um unexpected passionate uh defense of you know the Brady. Katie's mom is the the, uh, the chairman of the Brady Bunch <laughs> fan club and has been since 1969. Well, well, yeah, I, and I was because also she was born in 1966, so she would have been eight when it went off the air. Yeah, but well, but I, but you but somebody said that it was bigger in syndication, so she probably yeah. grew up with it that way. Yeah, but but yeah, I, there is. I I really find that you know. In a lot of ways, the the movies are are kind of yeah, sort of poking at the Brady Bunch as a concept, but are kind of loving recreations in some ways, especially sort of with the way it all kind of wraps up tightly at the end. Uh, but I was they like, okay, they, well. they all they all win too. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. Like like the, mm-hmm. the movie doesn't punish them. It's I don't think it's mean yeah. either movie. The, the movie isn't mean. They aren't mean spirited in the sense of like we're going to leave them off in a worse place we found them. Like, they all have their little journeys in, in each movie that they're following their, you know, plot line, and all of their plot lines are, like, happily resolved uh, for the most part. There's there's at least one lingering one in the second one we can talk about. But, but like, even, like, Jan has, you know, like, the, the George Glass, the fake boyfriend, and she also has... She's a complete psychopath in both movies, which is a fun touch. But yeah, but even even her by the end, like there is a boy named George Glass who shows up, and then she has a boyfriend. So it's like they try to give you know a a, a victory for like all of the characters, right? And there are some there are some in jokes, some of which I got. Other ones I was like, I know that this is a reference to a thing that I don't know, but but yeah. I, well, I I we kind of ended on an awkward note. I was like, well, I'm. I like them, and so <laughs> I, yeah. I will take your thoughts in, under advisement. <laughs> I just texted my mom while you were talking, Katie, and because I was like, she's also was a big fan, and I was like, as a Brady Bunch fan, you like the '90s movies, right? And she said some of them. Uh. So I don't think Cassie has the take that I want. <laughs> Some okay. some are pl- some indicates there's more than two. That I know. You know. There, 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 are, there, about, there, like, there are actually. Are yeah. like... Well, I was gonna address it later. There are actually. There is actually a third. So yeah, there's there's TV there's reunions and shit with like the original mm. cast. But there's a. I wonder if that's what she was thinking. But yeah. there is a third of these, which I've never watched, and from what I understand, it's supposed to be bad. Um, it is called the Brady Bunch in the White House. 
and it was a oh, made-for-TV no. movie in like '99 or 2000. Gary Cole no. and uh, Shelley Long <laughs> return. No. All the God kids bless. are recast no. at a la National Lampoon's Vacation. Everybody's different as for oh, the kids. Um, and the plot is something where like. I don't know, the Brady Bunch meet the president and the president makes some sort of like claim or something. Um, or, or he meets a candidate for president or something. The guy makes some kind of claim and then he needs a vice president and Carol's like, well, what about Mike? And so Mike becomes like his <laughs> vice presidential running mate. And then Gary he- Gary Cole becomes vice president again. Well, then he <laughs> wins. What's that? I said Gary Cole's vice president again. Well, he, well no. So the, the the guy who's running wins, but he had made some promise of like, oh, if you find evidence that I did whatever, um, you know, I'll resign. And then they find evidence. Uh, and so he resigns like no politician in the world ever would. Uh, but he resigns. And so that makes Mike Brady president. And so from there, <laughs> whatever the fuck happens, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've never seen it. I don't think it's supposed to have the same no. kind of bite or charm as these. Um, but one, one note, just like, since we're talking about the, uh, you know, the, the original fans. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's original fans out there, like Katie's mom being one of them where, uh, um, Oh, and sorry, I didn't actually introduce everyone. Uh, Katie, <laughs> Jess and Dusty are here. We got, oh, hey. uh, we got oh, sidetracked. Hey. I mean, well, just Katie story wanted to go Katie. In, Katie wanted <laughs> to go into explaining the Brady Bunch, so she well, threw me off. I thought that <laughs> that would be like kind of part of your opener. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them like about the stuff. I just, so I, I just that, assumed people knew what the Brady Bunch was. That's that was what I was, I was coming I, from. You know, that was. Yeah. I guess. That, All right. Well, I, I Katie, Jess, and Dusty are here. Uh, you're fine. Uh, they're all here uh, for the show. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you would have heard them on some, but I think the last time this crew was together was when we did uh, another uh, satirical film uh, from the 90s. We were looking at uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, so that was this crew. But anyway, formalities aside, um, but uh, yeah, on the Brady Bunch, no, I don't know. I think it's like... Um, I could understand, I guess, if you grew up with it and thinking like, oh, it's wholesome and good, but we didn't. And even as a kid, I, I didn't, I knew the theme song. I watched all kinds of TV because of Nick at Night and shit. So I saw all kinds of junk TV. And my friend Eric and I have often talked about it. Like as a kid, you you didn't even watch some stuff for taste. You just watched it because it was on. You, you didn't have taste. You were just like, oh, this is a show. Like, you weren't like, oh, I like... I mean, there were some things that you loved where you're like, oh, I love this movie. But otherwise, it's just kind of like, oh, this is a thing. But with uh, The Brady Bunch, I don't know. I think part of it, it's like TV was still in its infancy. And a lot of TV stuff was not written or produced to be, like, artistic in any way. I mean, a lot of, like... Not not all, but a lot of it, because a lot of like people who are in movies, they would not do television because they just saw it as like a lesser thing. And so somewhere maybe the 90s around the Sopranos era where you start to get like, oh, no, we're going to take this like fucking seriously now. And now we have amazing television shows and we have actors who are starring in both. And, you know, streaming has just made it. So there's so much even more of an overlap. But no, I, I think for me, I think the issue with the Brady Bunch is it's so sickeningly sweet and faux wholesome like all their problems are like nothing and they don't acknowledge the world around them not even the movies just the the original show 
And I think we've seen examples of recent shows that show you can do wholesome in comedy, but actually have real world stakes. Like Schitt's Creek goes into some serious stuff. And um, Ted Ted Lasso. Like Ted Lasso is a very wholesome show with like a very positive message. But then there's like shit that goes down that's like legit. Like people have actual problems on that show. But, you know, the Brady Bunch, you, you had like all in the family that would dig into like actual politics of the day and then you had like the brady bunch just like oh well what do you know i burnt the meatloaf wah, wah. and so i think that's kind of the, the you know the the backlash that is deserved for the brady bunch mm-hmm. i will say and first of all i do not want to be a, the brady bunch defender in this role but I well don't then think don't stop right now i don't think it's appropriate to compare uh the brady bunch tv show to Ted Lasso or Shit's Creek that came out forty years later. Well, no, but, I yeah. But, oh, I'm well. That's what I, I I prefaced it by saying that TV was in its infancy, so they're still right. like figuring out how to do shit and how to do storytelling in that medium that isn't just the blandest kind of. Oh, I don't know that they get into this little pickle. Like so, I I think I think over the years they've because like obviously we have tons of cynical television shows with like Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and uh, It's Always Sunny and stuff. I'm just trying to make the point that it's not that it's not having like a family oriented or a, or a wholesome thing is impossible to do. I think it is. It's just at that time television was not striving to do anything <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that um first of all i think that the conceit of the brady bunch is would be right for a cynical remake right oh these two families one of which has a dead parent and one because we i guess the show refused to establish whether or not carol's first husband was like (laughs) died or a divorcee because they wanted carol to be divorced and a single mom but then the network wouldn't let them do it um i think that you could really do a very sort of drama filled grief filled special issues of these like three kids there's three six kids stuffed in one house together and you're not my dad mike brady uh (laughs) and you know the idea yeah exactly so I, i i think that um you know again i think that we should we should consider ourselves uh, very lucky that they they decided to go with the way that they remade these movies as they did, and did not you know have you know the really like hot takes that you could take out of the idea of like you know this blended family that are all stuck together and actually they all hate each other, which is what much more like probably what it would be like in real life. Like you. Peter, why don't you get the fuck away from me? Stop talking to me. Uh, um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think that, um, but you're right that it, it was. It is very interesting how the movies, especially the second one, reference all of those other sort of films that that, that sort of bad, fake, wholesome, weird TV of like I Dream of Genie is referenced and uh, Gilligan's Island, which is like part of a, the climax of the second movie, which I was 
I laughed at very much. Uh, <laughs> and th- th- they were yeah. all uh, they were all the same producer, Sherwood Schwartz. Oh, oh uh, were they? Created all of those, so that's why they tie in Gilligan's Island and I Dream of Jeannie. I think he did a handful of other things, but that's yeah. why those are there. So, um, but yeah, no, it is. It is. I had someone who um, got a, acquired a stepdad when I was in my like tweens. And uh, I, I would not, I was not taking my stepdad's last name and calling him dad. Uh, and, and so in a way it is sort of, um, I think it was not quite so sickly sweet at the time it came out. Obviously it was, but in comparison to like the leave it to beaver, mm. it's diff- you know what I mean? It is, it is sort of more representative of, of the world than the super idealized things that came yeah. before it. Anyway, let's feel, not... Yeah. I feel it's like it's an extension of Leave it to Beaver. I think it's just that world 20 years later. So, I mean, they're acknowledging like, oh, divorce happens now. But like beyond that, it's kind yeah. of the same kind of garbage that like the 1950s stuff would have been showing. Um, yeah. I mean, let's dig into stuff. I'll just throw out because we'll like jump around. Plot wise, there's not a whole lot going on as far as like the major plot there's like subplots with a lot of characters but for both these movies i'll just say that the main plot of the first movie is that the brady's owe money and back taxes and so michael mckean who is their neighbor who just despises them is trying to like sell all the houses on the block for some big development deal that he's like a realtor and the brady's are the only holdout because uh you know oh we we're gonna stay right here uh this is a fantastic house so like uh, he won't the Brady's won't sell. He's trying to get them to sell. Finds out about the taxes. So there's this sort of like rush to get the house like bought at auction, and then the Brady's are trying to scrape together twenty grand to uh, to save the house. So that's that's the main plot of the first one. And then in the second one, um, Mrs. Brady, Carol Brady's husband, returns uh, after being gone for years, and uh, you know we we know or find out shortly thereafter you know that it's it's not really him but there's he has all these bullshit stories um but basically he's just trying to get at a very valuable um artifact that her actual husband had sent her years ago something that was from the original brady bunch show i guess is like a, a statue of a horse in the background of a you know part of the set dressing and so they wrap that in the plot and so it's worth 20 million and so he's a scheming guy trying to like get the horse and sell it, and then the Bradys are oblivious to all of it, and then they but they think, oh, it's our dad, and so like everybody's like gravitating toward him and all that kind of shit. So that's the basic plot, and for each of them, and then there's like subplots for everything. So wherever we want to go, jokes, characters, story, have at it. I mean, my God, just I, I don't know where to really start. Yeah. The the phrase I kept thinking to myself is Jan Brady has killed and she will kill again. <laughs> um, every yeah, you you said it before. Every decision that actress makes, uh, what's her name, Jennifer Elise Cox, mm. is fucking brilliant at every goddamn turn. Um, between Maybe like just re- her hair move when she. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's so good. Like she's working. She is at. She is working so hard at being comedic. Like you could. She. Everyone else would be covered in flop sweat. She is <laughs> choosing things. Yeah, you're you're asking her. Oh, she was born in '69. I assume she was a, a child at the time too. So she would have been 
nearly 30 when she did this movie. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, actually, that is something that, that I noticed when I was watching it this time, is just that the Jan and the Peter characters in the original show are are younger than they are mm. in in the movie. Like, because Jan and, and Marsha are, like, probably, like, within one or two years of each other here. Mm-hmm. They were more, like, actually younger, like, yeah. mid, like junior high kids. And um, I'm glad they changed it. Yeah. Because... Like you said, Jan's actress was just just constantly choosing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really wonderful. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess we could talk about Jan's sociopathic nature. That's a good start. Well, there's there's one bit I really like. I think it's in the first one, near the end or something, uh, when she's hearing voices. She hears voices throughout. Um, and she it's like the there's a voice just constantly telling her, you know, to do certain things or, like, to go after Marsha or this is how she's going to get what she wants. And then some sort of, like, exorcist-style <laughs> voice comes in, like a, a Reagan from Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, who's who's this? And her other voice also doesn't know who it is. Uh, it's like, it's me, the new Jan Brady. Let's knock over a 7-Eleven. Um, that was one of my favorite bits of the I, film. I personally love that because the way the voice is done. Um, have you ever seen Charlie the Unicorn or are familiar with that? Yes. Yeah. Um, the voice that they were doing is the voice that that guy Jason Steele does whenever he does like a crazy female character. It's just like, Charlie, let's knock over a 7 Eleven. And it was just <laughs> killed me in the moment. But I do like the fact that when um, Jan is told to snap out of it, that voice leaves and then goes to Cindy Brady. Yeah. Leading me to believe that a demon is haunting the Bradys, which yes. is just a choice. Traveling from me. It's uh, wonderful. Yeah. I would also say that I really enjoyed both interactions that Jan had with RuPaul, the guidance counselor, yeah. in each movie. Mm, so good. Uh, especially in the second movie when we see uh, RuPaul's children and that she has uh, a three daughters, a Marsha, a Jan, and a Brady. And watching the Jan character go like, Moesha, 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 and then turn and walk away and you see her braids like yeah. swinging back and forth so the same way that Jan walks. It was so good. I also thought it was, I had totally forgotten about that bit, but I also thought it was a very good touch when they did the, yeah, kind of the alt universe, the, the black version of the Brady Bunch essentially that but they had the Brady Bunch theme on on the soundtrack during that bit but they like urbaned it they changed it to make it sound like it was like a like 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 it was an episode of Martin or something yeah. from the yeah. 90s they were they the like, button on the Casio yeah they made alterations to it I was like all right that's a smart choice uh, I did not notice that I love that um we haven't mentioned her yet so I wanted to bring her up uh the actress that plays Alice Yes. Was uh, such a delight. Yes. Um, Especially, like, in the first one, because we also get Sam. Sam the Butcher was cut from the second one. um, Oh, was he supposed to be in it? I loved him. I don't know. Oh, okay. He's just not in it. But I just really love, like, because, yeah, like, her character basically in the show was just, like, (laughs) she worked for them and you know, whatever struggles that she was going through that week, like, they didn't really care. They're just like, oh, Alice. And, like, it's a recurring bit in the kitchen. Like, she'll say, like, you know, uh, what I want back is my girlish figure. And they all like, ha, 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 oh, Alice. And it's like, oh, she's, like, going through something. Alice. (laughs) (laughs) If Sam wanted to to marry Alice, 
He would have done it by now. Alice, mm-hmm. you gotta stop Alice. trying to draw water from this well. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he, he, he buys her bowling balls and sells horse meat on the side. He's not a, he's clearly too good of a catch. To I, let his, let him... I do like that moment at the end of the first one where they're like, they they wake up because Jan is missing or something like that. And they're like, what are you doing here? And he's got like a bathrobe on and he's smoking a cigar in their kitchen. They're like, Sam! And he's like, oh, well... I don't know. He says some He's like de- double delivery, entendre. Delivering some meat. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Delivering some meat. Yeah. <laughs> I like the second one where um, she does some of the bad guy's mushrooms and walks into yes. the fridge. <laughs> She's like, "Time to go to bed," and like walks into the fridge. <laughs> I do like I do like the double entendre because of the implication it gives. Because we only see him in like maybe two or three other scenes. But all the other scenes make it seem like he's part of the Brady's world. Like, he has this kind of, like, folksy, like, oh, yeah, I'm the butcher man, and just, like, this happiness thing. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when he gives her the bowling ball and stuff, it's just so like, oh, I'm just a clueless idiot, you know, sort of thing. And then that line is like, oh, no, he just he's just playing that, and he's mm-hmm. in this world. He knows that's what he has to do. And, uh, so exactly. there's just a slyness to it. The, uh, the sequel's decision to have the magic mushroom scene and then the, the animated sequence. Yes. Oh, my. I, such, a, such an important component to the movie that I really am like, oh, I didn't know I was missing this until it came on. That and animated part... Oh, good. No, just the, the sheer 70s style of the animation and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Go there ahead. was, like, a Brady Bunch cartoon, like part of the Brady yeah, Bunch hour or something. Some I think they did, it. like, cartoon yeah. segments. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the drug sequence is one of the things that would turn off people like your mom or, or other, you know, just like, a, a, like this is this shouldn't be in a, in a Brady Bunch thing. Even though it was, like, it's so innocuous – like it's so right. like like nothing happens, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the things that could possibly have like. There's another bigger one which we will get to, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, uh, somebody mentioned um, I can't remember what somebody said, but it made me think of it. So the like the cast on it, and I didn't think about this as a kid. I was realizing it this time. The second movie has so fewer supporting characters, and they really focus on the family. In the second movie, it's it's basically the family and Alice plus the outsider that is Roy coming into it. Mm-hmm. And there's like a few other, you know, RuPaul shows up. There's a couple other things here and there. Near the end, uh, the guy from Magnum P.I. shows up. The, you know, the, I don't know, whoever helped Magnum, whatever the hell that guy's name is. Um the guy who wasn't Tom, that was yeah, the guy that yeah. wasn't Tom I just want to be Selleck, clear yeah. that I know who Tom Selleck is, that it's the other guy, whatever. <laughs> Higgins or something, I don't know. Um, but in the in the first movie, though, like, there's a ton of side and supporting characters because you get Michael McKean, you get Gene Smart, you get two of their kids who both get stuff to do, like hating the Bradys, but you get them, they're doing stuff, they have lines, they have scenes. You get uh, a guy that... more. Uh, that Marsha is going after. You get a guy that she was supposed to be dating. Um, so they get some stuff for both of those. You get RuPaul's in it again. Um, there's a there's a sexy French teacher who's in it. Um, oh, so yeah. there's a lot of like these side characters that get timed. There's the neighbors 
um, like uh, Michael McKean deals with the neighbors. And so they're in a couple scenes, but kind of as a group, they're there. You, so yeah, the second movie my... really streamlines. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was just about to, uh, you go. I was going to say you, you missed my favorite supporting character. And actually the first gay person I ever saw in media, yeah. which was um, Marsha's friend. friend, who kind of gets the girl at the end. Not Marsha, but another yeah. girl. So, yeah, so while watching it again, I realized like, it was either this or Clueless. But, I, you know, and this one, I Clueless, I couldn't really tell what was happening. I remember not understanding it at first. This was like the my first introduction to um like any gay characters in cinema was, you know, the side character in the Brady Bunch movies. Yeah. Which Aww. yeah. I will say when they introduced Noreen, my very first thought was, oh no, what are you going to do? I, right. Uh, Absolutely. Was, and they it was honestly a very kind LGBTQ representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, and the the ba- I didn't notice it until Ashley pointed it out, but the, the 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 stirring inspirational speech at the end of the first movie with all those neighbors, they don't get any lines, but there is an interracial gay couple I, like I in s- the background. I saw that. I didn't yeah. notice that. Did oh, that. Way yeah. back in the day, I wouldn't have noticed that. But yeah, this time, yeah, they're like. Uh, one of them's like, you know, they're clearly like one's on the other one or like mm-hmm. kisses him or something. And it was like, yeah. oh, well, that's, yeah, I was surprised as well. Yeah. That's like uh, more than Star that... Wars did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, uh, that actress, so uh, Alana Ubach, uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. So she's good. a comedian. But the thing I immediately, because I haven't watched these movies in years, but when I saw her, I was like, oh, that's got to be. And I looked her up. So she was the lady on Beekman's World. If anyone remembers oh, growing up with yeah, Beekman's world, yeah. she was like the quirky assistant that Beekman had and would like, you know, talk right to the camera and be all excitable. I was like, yeah. oh, it's got to be her. Wow, and, I haven't thought about that is. show in forever. Yeah. So uh, the girl from Beekman's world is in this. But she's she's done <laughs> a bunch of other character roles, um, like comedic stuff throughout the years. But yes, Katie, I wasn't uh, I wasn't trying to sideline her. I was just trying to remember this all the casual, different characters. The casual <laughs> erasure <laughs> that's happening. <laughs> but you're right. That, that the second movie does have, I hadn't really noticed it until you pointed it out, but it is much more of a, like, there's the main characters and then the fake husband and then the weird cameos and not a whole lot of others. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like that's one of the the things that the sequel kind of, I, I would say kind of gets wrong because I did love the first movie more than the second. It took me a little bit to get into the second movie to figure out the tone and all of that. And it makes sense. You have a shift in director, so you're getting a shift in tone. But I, I think the first movie being so busy with everyone kept that breakneck pace and made laughing so much easier because you had no idea what was coming next. And with the sequel, it's like, oh, yeah, this is just a typical The Brady's Go to Hawaii episode with a couple bizarre things thrown in you wouldn't expect. And it's it definitely is the lesser for it. It's not... It's not a bad movie by any stretch, but I definitely wish they had more of that breakneck pace. Yeah. But the funny parts of the second movie, like to me, the 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 Marsha Greg of it all. Oh my god! Yes, the Greg. animated. <laughs> yes, Greg. <laughs> so good. George Glass. <laughs> uh, the uh, the the sure Jan moment that has mm-hmm. lived on. I I think that yeah I I agree with you. I think this the, the first movie is more. Um, sort of buoyant and 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 constantly fun um and, and but the, yeah there are some bits in the second one that just are like 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's a definitively think... hornier movie in, in <laughs> yes. the funniest of yes. ways. Yes. <laughs> I think the first one has some stuff like, uh, like I think there's some really smart comedy, some really dark, biting satire in it. But then it also goes broad at certain points, like with Michael mm -hmm. McKean, who I love and is a great comedian. But like when he gets like electrocuted and he's like, yeah. they make it like he That's... looks like he's in Home Alone. And actually That's in the movie, gonna, in yeah. the first movie, when he's like moving around or going after the Brady's, they were clearly ripping off the Home Alone, like one of the themes in Home Alone, like for Harry and Marv. It's like the same oh. note. It's like the same five notes and then it changes on the sixth note or something so they don't get sued. Um, yeah. But it's it's the same sound. But yeah, so there's some like goofy stuff that I don't think plays as well, or at least not in the tone with the rest of the movie. Um, but yeah, let's. I think that's a good segue into what our, some of our favorite bits are. Um, and I'll just throw out a couple from the second movie first. Um, so I, first of all, I just love Mike Brady in both movies. His just, uh, just utter <laughs> nonsense speeches, um, and how well <laughs> Gary Cole sells them of, he's just like prattling on, you know, it's just like this, uh, wholesome dad and he'll just like go on. And the second movie like points it out even more so with the Roy character. Like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, but he had, uh, but it's that great Gary Cole deadpan. Um, so this wasn't a nonsense speech, but there were a couple like within a minute of once they find out Roy is still alive, uh, says, Alice, this is Roy, Mrs. Brady's first husband. He's not dead. Like we originally thought. And then later he says, so Roy, you don't mind if I ask you what your plans are now that you're alive. Um, so I, uh, I greatly enjoyed those, but then another bit that I loved and I totally forgot about this was. Uh, Roy ties up the whole family and kidnaps Mrs. Brady to go sell the horse and he's trying to get the family out of the way. So they're all tied up and we have all the different character storylines throughout the movie and so they're all <laughs> blaming themselves for what happened based on, not most of them it doesn't make any sense, but they're just putting it on themselves of this is the reason and so it, it, you're, we're inside their heads of like Oh, I didn't do this or that. This is all my fault. I didn't do this or that. And you go to every member of the Brady clan except for the dad and the mom, um, including Alice. So everyone else is there. And it goes through all of their heads. And, like, Jan blames herself. And then it goes over to Marsha. Like, this is all Jan's fault. Like, no <laughs> self-reflection. She didn't do anything wrong. It's just Jan. And it's a fantastic <laughs> capper joke to that. <laughs> I um, I wanted to talk more about, you mentioned, yeah, Michael McKean in the first one, just like how he's not in their sitcom, but he is in his own sitcom of like doing sure, the pratfalls yeah. and like all this stuff. And I love that it's Cindy that keeps setting it up of like, she's trying to warn him, like, there's juice on your treadmill. <laughs> like, don't slip in the juice. And he's like, I can't understand you. Um, and so like, he like doesn't understand Cindy at all because of her little lisp. And um so she keeps trying to warn him, protect him from stuff, and he keeps not listening. Um, but I also just love Gene Smart in this role as, like, yes. the hungover, horned-up neighbor <laughs> of, like, where she she's like, tell your daddy I'll wrap his package at Christmas. <laughs> and, like, and Cindy goes and says, I'm like, yeah, she's going to wrap your package. And, like, uh, and then she's, like, hanging out with Peter and Greg and is like, a Brady sandwich. And I'm just like, ugh, Gene Smart, you can do no wrong. Just, just her immediate regret after saying that. And just like, oh, my God, I would. These are children. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, I need to go. I'm looking at myself here. <laughs> you know, I didn't make the connection that it's pretty much they're they're parenting married with children a little bit. Yeah, it and is very much that. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. One of the one of the bits that I thought was just so strange but so funny to me was in the first movie. You know, they have to get together twenty thousand dollars by the end of the week, and you know, Mike Brady's this this architect, and and he he has three <laughs> shots to try to sell his sell a design, and he can get an advance, and he each design is the exact same design, which is the Brady's house. Yes, and and just the the, the unveiling and the his boss in the background just looks like he's just uh, suffering so much. He's just like, you can just see him in the back and be like, oh, no. Uh, what are, like, it's, and, it, and, it, and, then it, and then, of course, the, the third one, he makes it, and then he, he wants it to be a gas station, which it's not, because it's a house, and a restaurant, which it's not, because it's a house, and then a, a, a fit club, and for some reason, the idea that they were like, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to have play this gag three separate times, and not change it at all, and I, was, I loved that they did that, because I, I just, I tickled, it tickled me pink. I don't know. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was perfect. Every time yeah. it was just like wonderful. I also love um, in the first one, just because um, Marsha Brady is the president of the Davy Jones fan club, which she was also in the TV show. Right. So and she's still that. Um, and I just, you know, her whole, her whole storyline is trying to get, well, she has two dates to the dance, but then she also has to get Davy Jones to play at the dance or else everyone will be disappointed. And it's like, no, they won't. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> So she gets him to show up and just like she introduces him to Davy Jones and he walks out to like complete silence. Yes. And it's like, yeah, no one knows who Davy Jones is. But I just like how fun that must have been for him to be like, that's pretty fun. I'm like he was such a heartthrob like when the show was out. And now he's like, yep. Okay. And then the I, teachers are so excited. Yeah, yeah. All the, all the teachers like run to the front. Yeah. But like. I will say. I absolutely love that version of Girl. I think it is legit yes. good. It so, is good. So Girl, Girl is a song. I don't think it was ever like a radio song for Davy Jones or the Monkees, but it was a song that they made or he made for an episode of the Brady Bunch. So it's just this kind of simple love song. Girl, look what you've done to me. It's just like very poppy. Um, but uh, But they take it and he starts to sing it the way he would have sung it in the 70s. And he's backed by a grunge band at a high school dance. So they start just like thrashing. And I got to tell you, I saw this movie as a kid. I've always loved that version. It it's just good. great. It's like him yeah. him singing this pop pop vocals, but backed yeah. by grunge. I have the Brady Bunch so soundtrack on vinyl <laughs> largely because of that song. Like there's other good yeah. songs on it. But uh, that one in particular, uh, I really love Girl from this soundtrack. And then everyone starts doing the Marsha dance move. Oh, yeah. the like, thumb yeah. dance. <laughs> so good. So good. I thought all of the music, I mean, the, 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 all of the music was fun. I loved the number at the end where they all have the outfits on that I think they did wear, like, the Brady Bunch variety album yeah. or yeah. something. Yeah. They keep on, keep yeah. on. Yeah, and then I, I just it. thought it was, and of course, the, the whole conceit is, is that they win, which is ridiculous, right? That they win, <laughs> but then it cuts to the judges, and they're like Davy Jones, and then two other people that I know are like it's it's, uh, it's the monkeys, it's, it's the monkeys, Mickey, oh, okay, Dol yeah. Mickey Dolans, and somebody else from the monkeys, yeah, Peter Tork. 
Okay. Yeah, and there and, and and then you see them, and I I didn't know what the name of the other monkeys were. I didn't yeah. know, I, but I was like, ah, uh, they were all in their seventies. Like, yeah, it was just such a <laughs> it was just such a funny bit. And and then the song on in the second movie when they're on the airplane, which yeah, just the choreography. Yeah. <laughs> And when they go to Sears in the first yes! we're going to Sears. I thought they Well, just on the on the dance one, I just thought they broke it broke from what they had established a little bit because part of the first movie was Greg constantly hitting on girls and them just looking at him like, Who the fuck are you? and like your family's weird and get the fuck away from me. And then they win that thing, but the explanation, the reason they win it is because the monkeys judged it. And so it's like, oh, okay, fine. But then like six girls want Greg's autographs. Like, they don't give a fuck about that song. Like, what? But, but they're all dressed. <laughs> yeah, no, they're yeah, all dressed in, like, 70s outfit. Like, one of them had a beaded vest on, and I was well, like, where, where were did they? these girls come from? Exactly. All right, all right. You know, there, there was a group of three girls in the far background who I think... I'll just bring up my favorite running bit is the work of the extras who clearly were just doing whatever the fuck they wanted. Yes. Uh, but when the Brady's were done, it's, you know, Noreen and her new friend are clapping. But in the yeah. far background, there's a row of three people I, clapping I their that. asses off. Right. And I, and I, wondered who the, I wondered who the fuck it was. But yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, you know, there's foreshadowing what's going yeah. on. Um, but, uh, I think when they say, hey, family, let's go to Sears, for one, <laughs> that bro- Sunday best. <laughs> we're going to see, which broke me because my favorite Eugene Merman joke is like, hey, do you know any cool stores around here? And they're like, you mean Sears? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean Sears. <laughs> um, but the, the extras in the background when they're dancing down the, el- the escalator, there's an old man who walks up to the escalator, sees what's happening, and then nopes the fuck out of there. Yes! <laughs> and it's the, just the extras are doing so much work for so little pay. Yes. So good. Uh, another, another bit from the first movie that I, I liked um, was, of course, the very beginning with the carjacking uh that with with their friend eddie the carjacker who's trying to rob them and yeah. and the fact that he comes back around so that at the end of the movie he's like with the brady celebrating <laughs> as they bring the big novelty check to the tax auction i just was like i i'm so taken with this turn of events like somehow they go from like almost arresting Eddie for obviously breaking into someone's car to the Brady's getting a police escort and them putting Mike Brady on the megaphone shouting out the side <laughs> of the car and I just was like oh, I'm so glad that this bit came back around and wasn't just a like look how dark and violent the 90s are it, it came around in such a wholesome way yeah mm-hmm. look if you have uh, Rufio's brother in a bit part you have yes. to bring him back it's yeah. sad who that is okay yep. yeah yep. What like the that brother of the actor or, yeah, or was, yeah. did Rufio have a brother in Hook? Oh no, 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 no. The, okay. the, the, the Bosco family has like a ton of acting brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna say if Rufio had a brother, he would have been really pissed, like just being overshadowed constantly well, by Rufio. I mean, how would we even figure out who was if nobody has parents, you know, like everybody's a brother, everybody's a sister. Well, know? I mean you could say this is my brother, that's one clue. But, well, yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is is that then you're arbitrarily selecting someone. Anyway, I can't get into the last boys <laughs> discourse. The last um, boys? 
The final the one? Last the last boy. <laughs> <laughs> the final boy the last is like last the boy. Katie, Katie's culling all the lost boys from Neverland. There's, these yes. are the last ones. Selecting them. If somebody was marked as Rubio's brother, you know, I'd make him fight. Just figure out who got to be on the list. <laughs> Katie, when Peter Pan goes into public domain, we need to talk. Oh it is God. in public domain. You can oh, do it. Oh, shit! You can do whatever oh, you want. Oh, hell yeah. I love, I love, okay, I can't, we can't, God. Winnie, Winnie the Pooh can't. just went into public domain, and now they have oh. Winnie the Pooh uh, yeah, blood, blood and Honey, yeah. which looks, which is like a fun idea to do something dark with it, but it looks like it was made for about $17 in yeah. a weekend. Yeah. yeah. Boo. Yeah. Um, Boo. So, we're like poo, am I right? Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's just wrap let's one, uh, the Brady's. One little bit that I liked in the first movie is uh, you see, it's just kind of a background thing while, I mean, it's happening in the foreground, but just not the focus, but uh, Carol Brady just pouring just tons the of sugar. sugar into her coffee. <laughs> and so it's like during the course of like a minute and a half scene where they're talking about other stuff, she just keeps pouring sugar. And then like the end of the scene, she takes a drink of her coffee and just like, mmm. I love how it just keeps coming back because it's in the second one too. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Anytime there's a kitchen scene, she is pouring too much sugar into a cup. <laughs> Like Shelley Long is so underrated. She's so yeah, fucking good. She's really, she's really, she like nailed the Carol Brady voice. Like she's doing a perfect imitation. Um, and I wanted to say, like, I think out of everyone, I think her and Marsha are just like ridiculously good casting. Yeah. Like with Marsha, it's like creepy how much Christine Taylor looks like Maureen McCormick. Yeah. Like, it is insane. I wish they had a scene like together, but yeah. What about, and, and I don't really remember, but did Jan on the show have those curls in her hair? Because I don't think so. I don't so. think so. And, and, you know, she kept saying, like, oh, why don't I have, you know, why don't I have a boyfriend? Everyone likes Marsha better than me. And part of me, I'm like, <laughs> it's because those curls look insane. Those weird they are curls. These weird, like. They're not bangs. They're just, like. Yeah, the, these. To the side. Yeah. So. Look, she, she's getting ready for her lady bris. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, exactly. Called. These strange, like, ha- you know, yeah. Hasidic, uh, Hasidic curls, but with a long blonde. You know. No, I think Jan just had, like, long, straight hair. Like, yeah. That was it. Uh, so I, I just looked it up, and it looks like Jan had something similar, but not as developed. So Got they were it. probably... So they just, they just accentuated it. Yeah. Um... I will, the easiest way, I'm going to send it on Facebook message, so uh, you can look on there. I'll Google it. <laughs> well, I, I'm on two different computers here, so I can't drag it to the chat. No, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, I'm just making a joke. That is like, they did her dirty, because that's, that's nice. Well, but I think I think they took that, weird, and then they're, but... you know, they're trying to make the character a psychopath, yeah. and they're just emphasizing her being weird so i did love the sequence with the original alice truck driver at at the as the climax of the Mm -hmm. oh yeah i see yeah no that looks hers looks normal and fine again but i think they're accentuating it for comedic reasons of of course you know that that alice truck driving scene i really felt like was the director saying look we all know you were the best actress in that show 
We're going to give you a whole ass scene, and you're yeah, going right. to kill it. Well, yes. I read that the original Greg Brady guy, I guess he originally had like four minutes for his scene, but then it got chopped down. Because uh, the both yeah. movies, I think, are under an hour and a half. They're about like an hour 25 or something. So there were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think his stuff was shot longer, and then the Jan lady didn't want to do it. But whoever played Marsha and whoever played Bobby were, mm-hmm. I think they originally had cameos, and they just, you know, couldn't. Couldn't get them, you know, keep the sequences. Um, and then the dad, Mike Brady, he had died, you know, years before. Yeah. Do, do you guys want to hear um, a, a, just a, a small amount of um, actual Brady Bunch trivia? Sure. I looked it up while I was looking up the Wikipedia pages for this, for this, um, the movies. And this is about um, Cindy, the original actress that played Cindy Brady. Um, she uh, was named Susan Olsen, and there was this rumor in the late 90s, or in the 90s, that sh- that Susan Olsen, Cindy Brady, had become a porn star. Uh, mm. But in the late 1990s television interview, she set the record straight because it turned out that her porn connection was that she created spaceship sound effects for a porn film called Love Probe from a Warm Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a great title. She did the sound effects? She did, she did the spaceship sound effects. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, so Bruce, she was like... <laughs> <laughs> Which in a way, it's like, just say... just Don't you want to at least be, like... Just say you were a porn star. Just say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say yeah. started it. Like, I mean, you know, at least... This at is least even a, more embarrassing. At least a porn character actress. <laughs> yes. It's really Spacious. impressive that porn used to have Foley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the other original Brady Bunch uh, fact that I know, and I remember this from when I was little, is is that they did a, um, a, a in like the eighties, they did a Brady Bunch, you know, um, a movie or something like that, like a TV movie where uh, uh, Marsha and Jan both got married, and they had to ha- and they had a double wedding um, where they both got married together in the Brady Bunch backyard, and, and again, I I say to you, Dusty, that yes, Jan Brady has committed homicide and she will again. And that's and it's it's been clear from the beginning. If you make Jan Brady have a double wedding in the eighties in her parents' backyard, mm, oh my and, and the reason that she she got proposed to first, but uh her parents were reluctant to sort of like give it the okay because they didn't know if it would be appropriate for the middle child to get married before the oldest child. <laughs> What? It was just. I but, remember. But as as Katie said, this was a very progressive show okay. for the time. <laughs> this is a different thing. All right, this was a the yeah, 1980s. Movies don't count. It was called like the Brady Wedding or something. I'm just fucking with you. I'm just fucking I, with you. I mean, they're at least setting up uh, Jan Brady's episode of Snapped very well. Yeah, very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think about sort of bits from the second movie? We talked about the first movie some. You know, I, I Shadow Puppets is the best. Oh my yes. god, the Shadow <laughs> like, Puppets. Christine Taylor was just showing off how absolutely wonderful she was going to be in the future. Oh yes. I, I believe she nailed every comedic choice on the first take and nothing will convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were really great. Marsha and Greg really stood out in the second one. Yes, um, Greg. But just the... <laughs> yes, Greg. <laughs> it's the best. Between okay. that and their furious handshake is yes. like... <laughs> oh, my well, God. And it's also, yeah. it was impressive because they straight, they like full-on kissed. 
yeah. in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Like, I was impressed that it came to such a, um, like, anti-resolution, no but resolution. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that was the one I yeah. was alluding to of, like, so all the plot lines get resolved, but that one really doesn't. That one is, like, no. that one, like, leaves you to believe, leads you to believe, that like, yeah, this is going to happen. Like, this, that's where like it's going. Gonna, yeah. They're just going to hook up. <laughs> He's going to gift her a copy of Flowers in the Attic, and it's all going to go downhill <laughs> from there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, era, era appropriate, Dusty. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you are right, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, um, I also liked um, the, the whole, and I liked that it wasn't just like a one bit, but they, they kind of kept moving the movie forward, like when they had that coffee date. Uh, and mm. just the other, two, the other two dates, the way the, 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 the guy was leaving after they were, you know, Greg was like, tell tell them about how you wash and condition your hair, Marsha. <laughs> and then he's like, well, bye, Marsha. It's, it's been scary. <laughs> so funny. Well, in the background, they're just completely ignoring Jan Brady's artistic introduction Jan- to yes, the world. Yes, with a mannequin. <laughs> like, oh, so great. Oh, I wanted to bring up the... Um... The auction house scene because yes. two cameos, yes. Jaja Gabor and Rosie O'Donnell, which was a, are at the a auction. combo I never knew I needed until I got it. Right? I know, and I was like, "This works." Yeah. That was Jaja Gabor's last yeah. film role, was it? too. Oh. What, yeah, what she lived like end? twenty more years. What a way too. to go out! Well, she knew how to end. Yeah. I know, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was great. I will say that David Spade's cameo in the second one—that whole, <laughs> oh yeah, that whole haircut sequence, like. I, I find to be very funny, even though it's, like, why is this in the film? Like, it, it progresses the plot forward not at all. But just her sort of wondering, like, where's that bald girl while her hair is on fire <laughs> yeah, in that pink cap? staring at her, like... <laughs> the idea that at, at the very at end, after all of this, she has the exact same haircut, and just nobody acknowledges it. it just well, like, I think oh. I think they're all disturbed they, like, by it. They a chainsaw to it. I think yes. all the hairdressers are disturbed by it. Like, they don't understand. Yeah. Um... Uh, well, you know, maybe that's why, you know, they needed the chainsaw. They, you know, they were trying to change it, but it just was, it was impenetrable. You yeah. know, like. Yeah, because I kept thinking, like, does she have another hairstyle yeah. in the show? Is that what we're going to see? No. Yeah, to, to slightly <laughs> steal Litton's job, I did look into the uh, the trivia on that. Apparently it was initially supposed to be Chris Farley playing that role. Oh. Um, that, oh. Um, but he had pissed off the executives at Paramount, and so they replaced him with David Spade. Oh. <laughs> Okay. That I, it was it, it was a strange cameo for David Spade to be making. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, initially I thought it was Seth Green, which would have been <laughs> fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, one stray line that I liked was I can't remember where this falls, but the kids, the kids are talking to the parents about something. I don't know what it is, but uh, and they're all trying to talk at once. And so Mike Bray's like, "Oh, slow down, one at a time, or something." And Marsha says. All right, I'll go first because yeah. I'm the prettiest. And, and like, goes, yes. and, they all like and the parents oh, nod, yeah. and yes, that is acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. There was a moment when when Jan ran away in the first movie, and and you know they gather the kids, and they're like, "Did anyone say or do anything that that, that would sort of make Jan get upset or to run away?" And one of them goes, "Not more than we usually do." <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> Again, I just so much of that of the movie was really um, like placed on um, 
that Jan Brady actress's shoulders. I mean, because, you know, mm-hmm. I, except for that one joke with the, the teacher spreading her legs and school supplies coming out, Bobby wasn't really bringing us any cracks. Oh Cindy was a, kind of a mix. <laughs> they really were like, yeah, you could just... You just do the whole whatever you need to do, Jan's actress. I, I just, think I think Marsha. I think Marsha is solid in both. Well, yeah, yeah, I, but I think that I, I think that Marsha is, and, and in terms of plot, yeah, really nothing. And Peter is, I think he's pretty funny in the first movie. The second movie, yeah, his voice changes yeah. and like. Mm. Oh yeah, there's that other girl too. That's <laughs> that that's little a, grunge girl. Yeah, like yeah that's another <laughs> side character that gets some yeah. time. Um, Her eyebrows were so thin. It, it hurt oh. my face to look at. Yeah. So eyebrows. on on the topic of Jan, I'm just curious because I mean I've seen the Brady Bunch years and years ago. Um, I know there's the famous Marsha, Marsha, Marsha that gets referenced in these movies at least a couple times. Um, a lot of yeah, there's a lot of references. The football to the nose and mm-hmm. cousin Oliver and the dogs. Yes. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of like <laughs> side things and um, that get thrown in there. But so. Is it and, and they, they obviously amped up and made Jan like a total psychopath like we talked about, but is it a trend in the show where like is Jan just like damaged? Like I know they wouldn't show, they wouldn't they wouldn't do what the movie did. I know that. And I know that there's some jealousy or think like she always like felt like Marsha got all the attention, but like is it a thing they explore with the character where she like genuinely like like under the surface? Again, yeah. it's a very wholesome show. But but would if you were a viewer watching now, would you look at it and be like, oh no, Jan like like they don't treat Jan well. Like is that is that a thing or is the movie just like taking the Marsha 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 thing and running with it? Yeah, I think of the six kids like on the TV show, Jan did have the most like character development week to week. Like a lot of the stories did uh, focus on her and like her uh, growth, um, and I think that this movie just played into it more. I don't really remember Marsha being a bully to Jan. Like, she is in these movies. She's so mean. Uh, Sure, Jan. (laughs) But, like, just kind of, like, not realizing that Jan is struggling. I don't know, she's very, like, dismissive, I guess. But, like, yeah, not as bad as the the movies. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really specifically remember, but I also, you know, wasn't necessarily... I was watching Brady Bunch episodes in isolation, so I didn't really, you know, I don't know to what extent there were, were like, you know, um, season-wide plots of anything. I hope you mean, like, like as a child and not, like, during COVID, you were watching Brady Bunch episodes. In isolation. Yes, in ice. yes. No, both. <laughs> both. Yeah. Uh, um, what did you guys think of the, the sort of the second movie? The first movie's right, kind of, like, the cl- in a way, Dusty, when you said the second movie was sort of like a traditional, like the Brady Bunch go to Hawaii uh, mm-hmm. feeling, it also did like have sort of much like much more of a like. I mean, it wasn't really suspense, right? Because it was the Brady Bunch movie, but there was like this sort of like weird plot, much more than the you know talent show. What did we? I I don't know that I wanted to know what happened to the, the original Mister Bra- Mister Carol's husband. No. You know, it was interesting. No one needed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it did. It did give. A, <laughs> yeah, fuck Mister Mister Carol. Um, no one asked for this. <laughs> I, I I was. Mean, 
I was fine with it because I think like the first movie centers on like so if you're looking at the Brady Bunch, it's like all right, what is the what are the problems they were going to have? What's the problem that the, these characters have to overcome? So like we're going to lose our house is like a mm-hmm. big thing, but it's very specific and localized to the family. So that makes sense to me. And I think in the second one, like having one of the unseen parents show up again, I think is also a kind of obvious, like here's something we can do that propels the plot, but then it's not actually him. He's scheming. And so it's like, all right, so then now he's a bad guy and whatever. So like, I, I get it, they both uh, they both are directly tied to the family. So if you do something external, if there's some other bigger external problem, you get you move away from the family dynamic yeah. of it. But I think both of those as central issues uh, help keep you centered on the bunch, as it we call vi- it. It is a very special special episode kind of plot to have, I guess. Yeah. Too. Um, do you want to know a fun fact that that we were looking up while we were watching this movie? The, the whole um, the whole climax of the second movie uh, involves getting this this historical relic, which by all rights should belong to I think Mongolia or China somewhere. They're like, ah, yes, we found it in his tomb. Let us abscond with it. Um, <laughs> but that the 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 uh, the guy who was going to buy it from the fake husband, you know, talks about how his his son was the second mate, uh, and there's this very long elaborate Gilligan's Island bit and um he says that the guy's the guy's name on you know his son not Roy or something whatever they whatever name he gives is the actual first name of Gilligan from Gilligan's Island which I guess I didn't know he had a first name so yeah. I was like good job guys you really you really brought your passion to this uh, <laughs> well, and it, the implication I read, so they, they kind of screwed it up with the naming, and I don't know, maybe it was a rights thing, but Roy, the, the character Roy has like, it's Roy something is the last name that's given, and, and we know it's like a fake guy um, that he's impersonating him, but um, the character, uh, Carol, when they're talking about the Gilligan's Island thing, she says, I'll never see my husband again, the professor. Right. So yeah, the implication right. is yeah. supposed to be that the professor is who she was married to, but I guess the professor's name is Roy something in the show, but it's a different last name. So oh. they didn't they didn't like match that, but again, maybe it was like a rights thing or something. And yeah. they could allude to it, but they couldn't like explicitly have it be the same. You know, I think I realize why when the first movie and the second movie feel so off, or at least different. Is in the first you have a very clear A story of like we're gonna we're gonna lose the house. Twenty thousand dollars is probably a terrifying amount of money for people still in the seventies. Um, and then I mean, it's a pretty terrifying amount of money right now. <laughs> well, true, true, true. I mean, I'm sure for them it's like what fifty billion dollars. I don't know with inflation. <laughs> well, but, inflation was crazy in the seventies. So. But then the rest of the movie is literally as many Brady B stories as you could shove in mm-hmm. without it going out of control. And then the second movie is very clearly like an AB an A story, a B story, and a C story, and it doesn't have that like. You know, they aren't bouncing around from plot points, which was so much fun the first time around. Yeah, Yeah, the plot lines, I think, also kind of, like, they actually directly sort of feed into each other. Like, the whole, like, Mm -hmm. Bobby's gonna be a detective. Bobby's a narc, by the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't talk to cops, Bobby. All Bobby's are bad. are best <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know he's gonna be a detective and then they're searching for Sydney's doll and then that's how they find out about 
you know, the mis- fake Mr. Brady. I actually, as a brief aside, the fact that um, the the when Mike Brady goes to the police to find out more about this this shady fake husband, it's Munch from Law and Order. Uh-huh. As, uh, Law and Order, which me, he was also playing the same character on Homicide, and it like yeah. was also like in that role in the cameo is the, in the X Files, mm-hmm. and just really now we're adding the Brady Bunch to a well robust so, interesting development too. On, yeah. All right. Well, on that, I actually checked. So Katie is correct. So the guy that plays uh, Munch uh, has been on a bunch of stuff. He was in Homicide, and he was on uh, one of the Law and Orders for SVU. years, and he, and he was in a bunch of other, he bounced around. He's like one of the he's he's played a single character on more television shows than like anyone. And he's been on like every network as that character. But I was curious, like so I looked it up, I was like, okay, is he actually officially that character? They don't list him as that. So he's just LAPD detective. So like he's definitely supposed to be like he's in that mold, but but they don't name him as that character. But I did, unfortunately, when I was looking him up and reading some of his stuff. Uh, I did not know this. I was really bummed. Uh, it's oh, Richard no, Bel- Belzer, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, w- I read this. I was very bummed, but I was like just looking at his Wikipedia page, and it said that apparently he's been like a regular guest on uh, Alex Jones, mm-hmm. and that he also like was calling the uh, Boston bombing a false flag operation. Uh, I was like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. no. Well, you know, you know how retired cops get. Paranoid. Yeah, Belzer hasn't been on knowledge or sorry, Belzer hasn't been on uh InfoWars in, in years, but he was definitely a regular in like the 2018s when like Jesse Ventura would be there a the bunch. The 2018s, there were more than one of them. Yep, look. <laughs> Here's the thing the government doesn't want you to know, Linton. There have been multiple 2018s. Can I take over the podcast now? Look, it's a false flag run by George Soros to make us relive 2018. Dusty, please don't do this or we're going to like, people are going to search via like the voice component and then like I'm going to get like fans I don't want. Oh man. Dusty, I'm really glad though that you are keeping so up to date with the guest stars of InfoWars. I mean, one of my favorite podcasts is called Knowledge Fight where they cover like an episode of the week from from InfoWars. So it's a very distilled. Yeah, uh, good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think glad, we can probably... glad we got to a you know far right nihilistic <laughs> conclusion. Yeah, you know, like Mike Brady, like yeah. Bobby Brady's gonna do. Like yeah. he's yeah. clearly running an AM radio station that three people listen to. Oh yeah, to. he's ru- he's running for like state rep in you know Idaho mm-hmm. somewhere where he oh, has yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> because he has been lawfully let go from multiple. Public officer, oh law enforcement. <laughs> He's... The state of California right. made my brothers and sisters fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> would we recommend? Would we recommend the Brady Bunch movies? Yep, I absolutely, absolutely would. I mean, I have them both on DVD. If I guess if I knew that now <laughs> that you were a really big fan of the original, it might give me pause. But in general, I think that they are very fun, uh, and I and I think that they are, like you said, Lynn, better than they have the right to be. And especially since you now get this delicious '90s vibe, especially from the first one, it's like kind of like it's like a it's a it's a double stuffed Oreo of weird fake nostalgia. Oh, right. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I I'm blown away by how good they are. It is. 
just there's so much going on that it's definitely the sort of thing. I think we've all gotten used to watching TV with like a screen nearby in case things start to get boring. You have to stay peeled for this whole movie. There's so much <laughs> always going on. I just remembered my my last favorite bit after the Brady's finish their uh, their talent show to win the twenty grand. The band waiting behind them are three women with trombones. Yes, and they're and so I, mad. They're so want, mad. Me too. I wanted to see that ska band. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's just so much always going on, and I'm always very impressed by that level of detail and commitment to always have a joke, even when no one's talking. And it's just, mm. there's so much care put into a movie that should have just been a throwaway bullshit thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really recommend these movies. I think they're so much fun. The jokes per minute ratio is incredible. Um, yeah, and it, we keep saying, especially the first one, like, clearly the people that made that movie loved the show, you know, to an extent, and, like, had respect for it, and, like, um, but realized it was ridiculous, and, you know, uh, put their spin on it, and I just think, yeah, it's so good, and I just think that, like, so my mom did get back to me, hold on, <laughs> she, she said, oh, yeah, those were funny, okay, hey. well, so, yeah, <laughs> we got one Brady Bunch fan right. who says, oh, yeah, those were funny, after barely remembering they existed, <laughs> so, yeah, there we are, uh, but, yes, I do highly recommend these movies, um, I think, if you just listen to the theme song, you will have an understanding of what the show was. So if you haven't seen it, right. I don't know how big your Gen Z audience is, but, um, uh, you know, if you have any people that haven't seen it, the theme song tells you all you need to know. Yeah. So just go in and have fun. Yeah. And the theme song is repeated in both of these films at the beginning. Uh, yeah, because it's so, incredible. Uh, yeah. It's an incredible theme it's song. <laughs> Um, quick, quick trivia, just to prove that Bobby Brady's a fucking narc. Uh, his his main acting job up until this last year, a um a cast regular on Chicago PD. Oh, of course. Uh, Which original, meant he the original Bobby or the kid who played Bobby in this movie. Um, the kid the who kid played Bobby played. in this movie. Yeah, I think the original guy had kind of a sad life. Like he had yeah. a child star kind of life. Oh no. But I think he's still alive. So you know, props. Yeah. Whoa. Props for being alive. That's Props right. for suffering. Yeah. yeah. Um, the actor who played original Peter has a furniture line. Christopher oh, we, Knight. I, we could talk about Christopher I, Knight for a whole I separate episode. I met him. I stood next. I have a picture next to him. Good. Anyway, yeah, just need to share that. <laughs> so, uh, for myself, uh, yeah, I would recommend these. I think they're fun. Uh, I haven't watched them in years, but they uh, they hold up. And they're, you know, pretty clever and sharp. And, yes, yeah, just, uh, I think they aged better than a lot of stuff of that time, too, of, like, those kind of TV adaptations. I mean, I think the Mission Impossible series has been a lot of fun for what it is, but it's not trying to be comedic. Um, but I haven't watched, like, the Beverly Hillbillies movie since, you know, it was on HBO back in the day. I'm sure it's not going to be like, oh, what a what a smart comedy. Uh, the, the Addams Family movies, though, those are fantastic, and those those still hold up. But uh, yeah, I would say this, this, these two stand out um, and just not what you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that there were some people who probably got these like on VHS at Blockbuster or something back in the day to like sit down, like some very conservative people like, oh, we'll watch the Brady Bunch movies. And I, I'm sure they, they were, uh, were surprised at the direction that some of these took. Um, yes. So that, that would be a fun, uh, fun thing to view. Uh, okay. So yeah, so that wraps us up. Can I find this? Uh, both Bra- the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel are on DVD. Uh, they are on a two-pack set, 
and then there is a recent Blu-ray two-pack set that came out uh, last fall, so uh, it is now on Blu-ray. And then the Brady Bunch in the White House I've never seen. I'm not sure where you can watch that if it's out there, but it's not packaged with those. Um, and then both of these are on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, Vudu, Microsoft, Redbox, DirecTV, Paramount Plus, YouTube, and many others. So uh, you can get your fill of the Bradys uh, wherever you are watching. So uh, that wraps us up here for our double feature for the Brady Bunch movies. We will be launching our Halloween films from here on out. Uh, so we are going to have uh, six going uh, that will come out like tail end of September and then throughout October. And the first thing we are going to kick off with is actually a series, a uh, six-part series that I've never seen, but I've had it recommended to me multiple times. I've seen little clips. So we are going to watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. So that is what we are kicking things off with. And then past that, we are going to dive into a variety of horror movies and you know related media that's... Uh, you know, some stuff that's kind of out there, as is our want to do. So uh, keep an eye on that for um, for our upcoming films. Uh, but Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, coming up next. <laughs> 